Welcome back to another episode of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I'm Shane. And unlike some other Mr. Curtises, we can speak with a Texas accent. Uh, that's that's right. Unlike uh, this film filled with American actors doing voiceovers where they literally have one American in the movie and they cast a British person. Yeah. <laughs> because, of course, they did. Why not? Uh, I mean, Gary Elwes is great. He's great. He just can't do a Texas accent, apparently. <laughs> no, he cannot. Uh, and really, neither can I. So I can't really give him too much crap. So uh, we are we are going over Pocoroso. Uh, another Studio Ghibli movie directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And based off a manga by Hayao Miyazaki. Which, honestly, two, he's two for two. On, you know, movies based off material that he previously worked on himself. Because uh, he, you know, based Nausicaa was... <laughs> and he's done it twice? He's <laughs> done it He's done it twice and they're both very good. Um, I disagree. I did not really enjoy this movie. <laughs> okay. This is the first uh, Ghibli film that I don't really love. Okay. Uh, we are... Uh, I actually enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, but P- Pocoroso was uh, released on July eighteenth, nineteen ninety two. It had a budget of nine point two million dollars and ended up making forty four million dollars at the box office. Successful. Yep, very successful. Uh, not the most successful thing to come out that year, though, for sure. Uh, because it, with our animation timeline, uh, we had the movie Cool World. That I guess technically we can call that an animated movie. The the Brad Pitt uh, joint Cool World. Yeah, no, that I I loved that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, a little thing called Aladdin. I haven't heard of it. And then What's another, about? and then another little movie called Fern Gully. Uh, Tim Gur- uh, Tim Curry, sexy, even as a as a smoke monster. As a smoke monster. Yep. Uh, but then also, like, this is actually a really big year for uh, television animation. Uh, and I'll I'll go least prominent to most prominent. Uh, we got uh one of the first seasons of Sailor Moon. Very nice. Uh, a little show that you've shown me. Uh couple episodes of that I actually kind of enjoyed and that was uh this was the start of Yu Yu Hakusho oh and there's a there's actually a connection between Sailor Moon and Yu Yu Hakusho do you know it I have no idea what what's the connection the uh original creators of both those shows are married to each other oh that's kind of cool that's really cool actually um the uh the creators of this are not married to anyone prominent but the other uh, series that started this year was Batman the Animated Series. Ah, uh, yes, about that man bat. That that was the first episode. The first episode right. was about the man bat. So that's what the whole show was about. After that, I've only saw the, I've only seen the first episode, so I just assume it, they followed the man bat after that. <laughs> that would be a terrible series. Uh <laughs> But yeah, uh, so so back to back to to Pocoroso, 
Um, this is a movie about a Italian fighter pilot from World War One, um, who is now a bounty hunter, and he somehow got transformed into a pig. Yeah, total. Yep. Yes, he did. Um, they don't really explain how, and. Other than the fact that they do say pig and don't be so pig headed and uh, you're being a pig so, so very, very often to this guy that honestly, outside of some a bit of sexism is nothing but nice to most people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. It was like he yeah, he's a little sexist at points, um, a little ageist at points as well. Um, but that's it. Like. Not to excuse either of those, obviously, but yeah, I mean he comes around on both of them because it's the sexism and ageism essentially are both targeted towards the one seventeen-year-old girl. But yes. yeah, who is he befriends? And luckily that didn't turn into a romantic thing. I was worried for a minute I, there. Yeah, I I was worried as well about that. But luckily he had he had another love interest who, you know, we'll get into. Uh, so this is just Miyazaki's, you know, fantasy basically of like, yeah, hey, of yeah, it's like, hey, I'm going to make uh, an entire movie about flying and f- planes and fighter pilots and fun stuff like that that I enjoy. And I guess I'll put a little fantasy twist on it here. Let's go. I thought the beginning little uh, scroll thing was really cool. Yeah, I, I liked I liked yeah the, the opening credit, it little th- stuff, and I I liked the opening scene as well. Uh, when he gets called to rescue the uh, the schoolgirls, I did I actually did like that scene as well. Um, real quick trivia: Do you know why they did the the uh, opening text the way that they did? I don't know how why. Uh, because this was originally uh, filmed to be a 30 to 45 minute uh, shorter film to be shown on airplanes. And they wanted to have simultaneously um, different languages so that they didn't have to change that text at the beginning. And they only had to change the uh, uh, the text later on. So Okay, that it, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, we get that scroll. And like I almost thought if it, it made of... You know, it it wasn't Morse code, but it had that quick dash, quick, quick, um, succinct style of like, you know, maybe it could have been like a, uh, a telegraph, you know, newswire sort of influence as well. I could see that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So so Pocaroso, uh, he. He gets this call as as he's a bounty hunter. Uh, this ship got attacked by pirates, and they, sky pirates, sky pirates, um, not Io Shirai and Kairi Sane, but sky pirates. Um, they uh, they also kidnap these schoolgirls, and I love the fact that the schoolgirls are just trash talking the pirates the entire time. 
Oh, that was the be- this was the best part of the whole movie was the little school gr- schoolgirl scene. Like they're uh, we say schoolgirls, they're probably like six or seven is my guess for for ages. Like uh, and they they're just they're super excited to be uh, kidnapped. They are messing around with all the loot and like like Kyle said, trash talking all the pirates. And then once <laughs> when the engine gets hit, they go, "Oh, we're going down!" And they're laughing about it. And then they all jump out of the plane the second they get into the water, and they're like, "It's okay, we can swim." It was yeah. it, they, they were the best part of the whole movie. Yep. Um. And and actually, really, they saved Pocoroso's life because they interrupt the the gunfight. Um. And actually stop the guy from firing at one point just because they get in his way and are annoying him almost too much. Uh, yeah, they were trying to look at Pocoroso and he was trying to turn the gun towards them and they were like, no, we're looking. And they kept pushing the gun away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, po- uh, Pocoroso, uh, he he ends up saving uh, the, the group of scroll girls and... Yeah, that that was the, kind of the first scene and kind of establishing like, oh, he's a good guy, but he's also like he he also leaves the pirates enough money so that they can fix their ship. Yeah, he's 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 helpful. Yeah. Brad Garrett being one of the pirates, I recognize that voice right away. Yeah, yeah, the the super deep booming voice of Brad yep. Garrett, yes. Uh yeah, and I, like I, I had to look it up because I was like, it feels familiar, but I don't know, quite know. And you know, it was one of those like I couldn't tell if it was enhanced in some way or if that was just the person's voice. And then it's like, oh, it's Brad Garrett, so no, that's just his voice. Yep. Um, and you find out that the the Sky Pirates actually basically put a bounty out on Pocaroso. So they put a bounty out on onto the bounty hunter. Uh, yeah, you find this out by jumping to a scene inside of a uh, bar. And that's when you meet the uh, one of the ingenues, uh, I guess the, the main ingenue, uh, uh, when she is singing. Um, and you also get to meet uh, Donald Curtis. Uh, Gina is the uh, ingenue. Yep. And then Donald Curtis, who is Carrie Elva's uh, voice character from America, uh, even though he was very British. And he kept slipping into a British accent while trying to do a Texas accent, and it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. And you get this moment where you think that this this uh, American guy might be might not be a bad dude because he's just trying to shut everybody up so he can listen to her sing. Uh, and then he's just like, oh, maybe I'll take her home with me. And then you're like, oh, okay, you're just a skeezy guy too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Pocoroso... Um, cause this is all Gina's club. Um, that's like this private Island, um, not like super fancy, but it, it seems like just this nice holdover of like, everyone has the agreement that nothing happens at, you know, Gina's club, you know, all the pirates are like, we can discuss business, but nothing's going down here because we all love Gina. Yes. I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. So uh, we get we get uh, we get Donald Curtis going after or Pocoroso. Uh, but this is when and, and this was one part that I liked. I like the fact that at the beginning, 
you know, Pocoroso is kind of this feared sky pirate, you know, bounty hunter or type guy, but his plane is terrible. Like it's it's in awful condition. The engine barely runs. He can barely take it off. But, you know, once he's in flight, then that's when he's all good. Yeah, and, it, like, in the first scene, it was leaking oil, and he was like, that's not good. Uh, and you find out that he had, in right before this Curtis scene, I'm pretty sure he pays off and actually finishes paying off the plane. And they go, all right, the seaplane's completely yours now. So he is just, he, he's... Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of money as a as a mercenary, but you know enough to purchase his plane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then he gets into a dogfight with with Curtis that uh, really only changes you know for Curtis. Uh, Curtis quote unquote wins uh, by the fact that Porcaroso's plane malfunctions and the engine goes out, so uh, he is then a sitting duck to get to get shot. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, he, yeah, Curtis doesn't shoot down Pocoroso. He just shoots at Poco when, um, when uh, his plane's already malfunctioning, and then Porcoroso actually does a good job of hiding himself as um, everyone is, as so that he sees this one scrap of the plane you know, going down, like down still in the water. So Curtis thinks that he shot him down, but the rest of the plane is still, you know, intact and hidden under these bushes real quick. Uh, yeah. And then we get a shot of, of Gina trying to, uh, go and, and search for him, but he's calling her on the phone. She calls him Marco, by the way, because of course, Porco's real name is Marco. Yes. Fun pun. Uh, and uh, he says that he is in uh, Milan, at which point she freaks out because you find out that he is from uh, Italy and that uh, there is a warrant out for his arrest in Italy and she doesn't want him there because it's unsafe for him to be there. Yeah, so so he, he goes to Italy. I, I did like the fact that we, we start to establish that you do have history between you know, Porco and, and Gina, like this isn't just some one-off thing. Like I, I really wish they would have gotten the actual backstory a little earlier. Like we do eventually get it, but it's three fourths of the way through the movie. And you almost like don't care anymore by the time you get to it. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And it's like, oh, that's why she calls him Marco, because she knew him at first as Marco. Okay. Um, because they were actually, you know, moving ahead to the f ahead to the flashback, weirdly. Um, like, Marco was, was part of a squad. Yeah, squad's what you call it. Um, yes. of, of fighter, uh, pilots and Gina's first husband was one of the other pilots. So Marco was actually his best man, uh, for their wedding to, to Gina, but you could kind of, they kind of always imply that Marco was always in love with Gina, 
but this other guy, you know, kind of got there first sort of thing. And I, I don't know if you would, if I would say they imply that I, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that Marco is in love with Gina now, but at the time, uh, like in the flashback and everything, he's doesn't, I, I don't know. It, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think that they uh, earned a lot of the things that they did, but that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm, It's okay. um, but yeah, he's he's in he's in Italy now. He's working with uh, um, Piccolo, uh, uh, Mr. Not Piccolo, Piccolo. Uh, not that Piccolo. Yeah, uh, of uh, to rebuild his his uh, plane. He finds out that Piccolo's sons have left to d- get other jobs, uh, and that his niece or uh, granddaughter, granddaughter, I can't remember, granddaughter uh, was going to design his plane. Who's a seventeen-year-old uh, uh, girl named Theo. Yeah. And uh, this is when Porco says, no, she's too young and yeah. inexperienced and she's a girl. And why would I let any of that stuff work? Yeah. She yeah. Goes, like, um, I think the the actual line was uh, Theo asking, are you leaving because I'm a woman or because I'm young? And Porco just says both. Yep. Um, and then and then she asks him a question of like. Uh, what makes a good spy, uh, pilot? Uh, is it experience? And he goes, no, it's not experience. And he goes, ha, see, you don't need experience to be good at what you do. So give me a shot. And that and that works. Yeah. Um, um, and then he, uh, uh, Theo starts designing in this, uh, the, the new, new additions to the, to the plane um, and actually spends the whole night designing everything um and porco sees it the next morning and likes the design and tells her it's like oh you should get some sleep because you you know are not going to be at your best if you try to keep hours like this and she was like but i was just trying to impress you you know now i'm gonna go sleep um now that she got the job Uh, and then this is when, uh, before this scene, I was just like, oh, is this not going to be one of those movies where there's, like, this is going to be the first one where there's not a young uh, female uh, antagonist and uh, protagonist, I should say, not antagonist. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, she she's a she's a co-protagonist of sorts for the rest of the movie. She she kind of, she bums away with him the whole time. Um, but they, they really do the strong female uh, build with, the scene for Mr. Piccolo's shop when he brings in all the workers to build the plane and it is all the women of his family. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause all the guys are out either, you know, during the war or being pirates or getting other jobs or some other things, you know, we never get a full explanation of where all of them are, but yeah, all the, all the women are left home, you know, to do, to do the actual work and, they build this plane basically from scratch because, you know, it was so destroyed. Okay. And, and it's a fun little montage of them, of them building it up. And, and then uh, Porco goes and meets up with an old friend of his uh, in the Italian air force uh, to find out that the, uh, that they are out for him to, to get him because he left the, the army and, that's when you get the whole 
you get a line about fascism and, and he'd rather be a pig than a fascist. Um, which is, is a, it's a decent line, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, there, there were, if like, I think I wrote this down maybe 45 minutes in and just saying, if they say, don't be such a pig one more time, I'm going to shut this movie off. Yeah. I uh, was tired of it. I was, and, and they, they, they do say it a few more times. Yeah. Um, and you get all men are pigs is said a couple times and, yeah, it's just. Yeah. I mean, it, it. They really hammer the the um whole point of it home real hard for you. Yeah. Just in case you weren't getting it, but I mean, it is. It is an adult movie disguised as a kids movie, so of course they they do. Yep. Um, actually, uh, uh, Miyazaki did say that one of his biggest mistakes was was trying to make an adult movie for kids um, yep. with this movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that quote like when we were doing our research and I I can see where he's coming from. I just think like I can definitely see where he's coming from cuz it's, it's why I don't like this movie. Yeah, but it, yeah, like this movie has has a weird thing of like it being too much and too little at the same time. Like, you know, if we if we compare it to Nausicaa and that trying to pack in so much story into one film and, you know, doing a fairly good job, but it's still just being too convoluted. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, this movie is so simple, but also, like, you needed more. Some, you need, like, it was almost too simplified that. Like I would have need, I would have wanted more background on Gina and Marco, so that that felt that relationship felt more earned. You know, little stuff like that. I just think that this movie never decided if it was for kids or for adults, and yeah. that punish that was punishing for me as somebody trying to watch it, and for the movie itself. Uh, I I also. I, I just I, I found it I found a lot of the dialogue to be wanting and um just a, a lot of what they were doing didn't interest me much yeah. like it just it seemed like a very straight line story that didn't have any twist or turns that just didn't really yeah it it, it this movie just didn't appeal to me I can yeah. see it's a good movie it's not a I, I mean if I'm if I'm looking at it from a uh, unobjective standpoint is not a badly done movie. No, just to me, it did not speak to me. No, I I think and like we'll 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 see moving forward into the series. Like I think um, some people and I I don't like making this comparison. Um, like it it's almost the fact that you know, uh, Miyazaki almost does. To it, it, this is the end of the period where he's at his most prolific, you know, putting out the most content he'll ever put out in his entire career, you know, because he did, you know, Nausicaa in 1984, Castle in the Sky 1986, My Neighbor Totoro 1988, Kiki's Delivery Service 1989. And then this in 1992, and then he'll take a break and he won't personally direct another film 
until Princess Mononoke in 1997. Like he gives himself a five year break to to do his next film, and then the next it's it's another four years between Mononoke and Spirited Away. I mean, he did. He was the screenwriter for Whisper of the Heart as well, though. He he was, but like, so he's not. He's not like not doing anything. Yeah, he's not doing any. It's not that he's not doing anything, but I mean, he produced other movies in this in this in the meantime too. Like he produced Only Yesterday, you know, and all and Ocean Waves, Mm -hmm. you know, coming up. So like he's he's yeah he's this is the busiest he is his entire career. And I think you can almost tell that it's like he probably needed to step back a little bit um, and not be as crazy busy as he was. And and you can tell that this is this one here is a little bit more of a passion project um, from the fact that if it hasn't been abundantly clear in all the movies leading up to this one, he is obsessed with flights and airplanes and yes. and, and things of that sort. Um and so I, I, I think that he really wanted to do this this movie. Um but I don't I don't know. I yeah, just get, keep keep moving on with the with the plot, I guess. I mean they they I I, I don't even know how they, they, they fly away from the Italian uh people coming after him. The Italian uh secret service, I think is what they call them, or secret police, yeah. um and escape Italy, uh head back to be ambushed by the pirates that were uh, Matt, the pirates he he uh, uh, busted at the beginning of the movie, and then also the people that were that hired Curtis to go after him, all like ambush him at his at his uh, his secret hideout, um, which didn't seem like it was very good secret hideout. If all of those people found yeah, it, yeah, all of them found it like right away, and it's like okay, all right, yeah, great job with your secret hideout. Um, so this was, this was one of the things, uh, we, we actually skipped over two, two little, uh, well, one little Easter egg. Um, and that's the fact that, uh, Piccolo, as he's designing this new engine for the plane, uh, the engine is embossed with the, with just the words Ghibli, which was a nice little Easter egg. Uh, yep, yep, and there's no engine with the name Ghibli, but uh, Studio Ghibli did get their name from an Italian air airplane, uh, the Caproni CA309 Ghibli um, airplane. So, so it's kind of a uh, they they couldn't put the plane in here, so they just they just put it on the engine. Yep, um, and then as as Fio and and Porco are leaving from Italy, uh. Fio puts on a very uh, recognizable hat, um, and it's basically the same hat that Nausicaa uh, had in in Nausicaa. And given the fact that it's a similar haircut as well, like it 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 gave gave off major major Nausicaa vibes to me, and like that's kind of a bad thing for this movie because you know as we as we've been talking like i i enjoyed nausicaa much more than shane did so like nausicaa is one of my favorite ghibli movies is now 
So like invoking that is like it gives me a bit of nostalgia, but also like, yeah, but you're not that movie. <laughs> I I enjoyed Nasca a lot. I just I just had a problem with the fact that it should have been multiple movies or a yes. series because they packed too much. Well, this one, well, this movie didn't didn't have enough to spread out to the length of time that it used. No, no, and it was it was even shorter. Like it's a it's an hour and thirty five. Yeah, and this movie should have been forty five minutes long. Yeah, with uh, with the amount of content it had, I don't think that this movie should have been this long. Yes, uh, and then uh, we got uh, so uh, Curtis and and. Uh, Curtis actually jumps in um, as as the gang has found on Porco's hideout, um, and he challenges uh, Porco to another another air battle. And this time, the bet would will be uh, if uh, Donald Curtis wins, he gets Theo's hand in marriage. She's seventeen. I just she, want to yep. lay that right out there, right at the beginning of that. Yep, because he has instantly fallen in love with a seventeen-year-old. Uh, this is right after he did get turned down by uh, by Gina in a previous scene because Gina's been waiting for Perko. Yep. Um, and uh, Theo was smart enough to accept this challenge, um, and says if if uh, if Porco wins, uh, Curtis has to pay the bills that uh, Porco has chalked up at her grandfather's company and then gives him the bills, which I like the, the little scene later when Theo comes back from her swim and is disappointed in herself when she realizes like, ah, we should have padded those bills. He would have still paid it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was, fine that was funny um yeah. uh and then and then we get this big this big race where there's people coming from everywhere to watch to watch this well not race it's a it's a battle yeah. uh uh to watch it and uh they're taking bets and the it looks like all of the uh the sky pirates are making money and yeah it's and they're like, very it's, excited and they it's a ridiculous setup because like it's you know there's this whole island you know the the leader of the gang who has also fallen in love with Theo, uh, but fallen in love with Theo as in like a respect way though, like, you know, kind of seeing like, oh, you're a scrappy little punk kind of thing, um, and the gang doesn't start rooting for Porco, but they don't seem to want Curtis to win Theo's hand of marriage either. Yeah, they all yeah. get very they they they're all like giving him that. And uh, yeah, uh, the raspberries and everything when when he's yeah. saying stuff about it. So yeah, and, and they and uh yeah, there there's there's like restaurants set up on the island and a coffee vendor and like you said, they're taking bets and you know it's it's a ridiculous setup. Um, and, and then you get a, an air battle for a while. Yeah, for for a, for a while. Uh, that's for sure. Like you get a, yeah, which was like really well animated. Um, you know, this is the first, uh, you know, we haven't talked personnel wise as much, but like, this is our first, uh, uh, Toshihiro Suzuki 
sole production. Um, like Toru Hana had, you know, retired after only yesterday and Suzuki had taken over as the main producer for Studio Ghibli, you know, moving forward. And yeah, it's, it's real. So this is like, this was his first big test and production wise, like the animation looks gorgeous, you know, it's just the story might've been a little lacking. For me, at least. For you, at least, yes. Um, yeah, the animation's good. Uh, this the, the this guy fight happens for a while, and and it doesn't. They they fire at each other. You you find out that Porco's only not winning because he's trying not to kill him. But um, but then like Por uh Curtis runs out of bullets at the same time Porco's gun malfunctions and so they they park and start doing a fist fight um and yeah. while this fist fight's happening is when uh when gina is is actually coming to uh let them know that the italian army is is on their way to because they found out about this this battle and that they they wanted to take advantage of it and and capture them yeah um, and actually one, one thing we kind of glossed over was, uh, the night before the fight, um, is when Theo is, is up and is asking about, you know, uh, basically asking Porco to tell her a story and she ends up telling the story of, you know, this, this air battle during in the war and seeing all of these planes and then you kind of get implied that like him like he feels like he ran away from the fight but he was just really the only survivor and it almost seems like that's when he became like got cursed and became the pig you know sort of thing um but she actually at first sees him and as she wakes up and you feel like it's a dream like status of like she actually sees him and actually sees him as a human uh yeah it goes away pretty quickly there when she says his name he turns and, and he's he's back to being a pig but yeah but yeah she sees him as a human for for just a moment um and uh this is when you find out that the that the curse might be self put upon him because he sees himself as a pig. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's also the other thing that, that right after the fight, you know, Gina gets word to everybody that like, Oh, you know, she's, you know, they're, they're all coming, you know, they, the, the Italian army is coming. Everybody should flee. Everybody flees except for, Porco and Curtis who have just gone through this huge fist fight and the two of them are going to basically cause a distraction um, and you know keep everybody keep the Italian army distracted so that everyone else can get away and Curtis uh, looks and says that um, it's like wait Porco what happened to your face um, and we never see it but it's in, it's clearly implied that he looks human again. Uh, yeah, and that's the last you actually see of Porco. The rest of the film is is kind of a uh, a summary by Theo saying that that you know Porco 
drew the army away. Everybody escaped. She hung out with Gina for a while, but then went back home. Uh, now it's years later, and she's taken over the Piccolo company. Um, uh, Curtis got famous like he wanted to in Hollywood and is an actor, producer, and director. Uh, and that uh, uh, Porco... I don't think they really say what Porco does much. They never flies around. Yeah, they never really say like like they just kind of imply that he flew around and then they the last line of the movie cuz uh you know, unlike other Ghibli movies, there's not really a post you know, we've been getting so used to these these credit rolls that you know have like the animation like storyboard almost of like what happens for a little bit after the film we don't really get that with this one um we just get uh because gina had had always talked about you know she was hoping one day that porco would you know come to that well she says she hopes one day marco would come to her in the afternoon because he only ever comes at night you know, to see her and she just wants to meet him one afternoon in her garden. Um, and the last lines of the movie are, and as for Gina's bet, well, I'll keep that one to myself or something to that vein. And it's like, Oh, okay. So she kind of implies like, Oh, that might've happened, but maybe it didn't. Yeah. It, it yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and then and it's a bunch of pictures from uh from looks like from different wars, but they replace uh all the they they made it look like all the soldiers were actually pigs, yeah, um, which was a weird thing. Yeah, it was. Me. It's yeah, it's it was an interesting, interesting way for the credits to to roll, um, but I mean it it's kind of like the the credits were kind of induct induct yeah. Um, were kind of similar to you know how the entire film was really slow. Um, well, <laughs> slow and it's like I I get where you were going, but you didn't really hit it. Like you didn't really connect. Yeah, you know, to a lot of this. So yeah, I uh I I feel like I've I've put my uh opinion into the the recap here a lot um a little I, bit yes i uh i i wasn't too impressed with this film um it just yeah i i i mean just to to recap my my big it like it's well animated uh it, it is um it could be a decent shorter uh movie in my opinion i, I think that they could have made this into a uh, what it was originally supposed to be a half hour, 45 minute um, shorter film. And I think that it would have uh, been more palatable for me. Okay. This, this just feels like they're trying to stretch it out too much. It also feels like it does not decide if it's for kids or for adults um, where at one time they, they, it, it, cause the, the story itself is an adult is an adult centric story of what they're trying to tell, but but the way that they're, the dialogue is used in it and the way that they talk throughout the story is definitely aimed towards children. Um, And uh, so to me, it was just, uh, 
it just made it hard. It made it a harder watch. It, it's the it's it's the hardest one for me to watch so far of of yeah. the of the Ghibli films. Yeah. Well, and like like as as we were talking about like moving forward, I think Miyazaki finds that balance in, at least in his own films for sure moving forward of like he's just going to make the films that he wants to make and I don't think he's going to be concerned as much about you know is this going to be for kids is this going to be you know for for adults like he's just I think moving forward especially like if you look at you know the next three that he directs himself are you know Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, and Howl's Moving Castle, which I don't think I, those are adult by any means, but they're definitely not aiming for children. Um, I think that he finds his niche in the in the young adult area, not yes. not kids area with those movies. I would say young adult to 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 college age i would be yeah. a kind of the, the what 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 would approach those the best yeah um where and but then you know then he leaps back does ponyo you know which is which is definitely more of a kids centric film um but then goes the other way and does the the wind rises which is more adult yeah so he he jumps back and forth he he has loves for, for both both the, the the kids movies and the adult movies um and studio ghibli as a whole jumps back and forth uh between the kids and the adult movies as well uh it's just this one just never in my opinion they they try to do both in a, in a they try to do both poorly in comparison to in the future where they do both uh well yeah like like you said i think yeah we he he finds the balance later on you know that that he's that he was searching for for this film and and finds it you know moving forward yeah um yeah i don't uh michael keaton's the voice of porco rosso in in the english version um as connor said on our last podcast uh uh Genre Miyazaki's no. favorite uh, uh, translation of this film is the French version with John Renault. Yeah, which I mean, you can't blame him because you know, I I could see, you know, Michael Keaton. I think did a it, it did a pretty admirable job here, um, but like, if it were a live action film, I would cast John Renault <laughs> as instead yeah. of Michael Keaton. You know, oh, for sure. For for the for the gruffness and like, you know, gruffness, but a bit of charm. Um, you know, I think I think both actors very much have that, but I think it I think it's it's better. And I mean, you also get a better accent. Um, yes. You know, a more a more region appropriate accent with with John Renault. Um, because that mean, was also. That was also one of the things, like, are we sure, especially for the design, are we sure Curtis was supposed to be from Texas the whole time? Because he definitely looks, especially with, with the branding on on his uniform and stuff, like, that definitely looks more like a French flag than, like, 
an American insignia. He is specifically called American multiple times in the movie. That's true. Like, very specific. Like, even before his introduction, they called him American. And like you said, though, right when they said that, I was waiting for another character to walk out there because I thought that that was a Frenchman. Yes. Um, because I thought he had a French flag on his on his yeah. shirt. Like, it was, it's, yeah, it's sideways. Like, it's it's horizontal stripes instead of vertical stripes, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's your final thoughts on the on on the film? Um, I th- I enjoyed it more than you did, but that's not hard. Um, I I, I thought it was kind of a mid tier like like Studio Ghibli movie. Like it's not up there with you know with uh because uh, still still my top two thus far that we've watched are are Grave of the Fireflies and Nausicaa. You know, it, it's not up on that tier, but I think it's the next tier down, um, which okay. is also, you know, the stuff you didn't like. I, I put it similar to my neighbor Totoro, which I know you didn't enjoy as much as I did it in the same way. So, yeah. OK, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, this is this this one is is bottom of my list because this is the first one that I just felt like. I had like like I said I had trouble getting through that I had trouble actually watching uh to the end of um yeah. uh ju- and and a lot of that just has to do with the length. Yeah. Um even though it's even though it's a shorter film in in comparison of it it just did feel like they they earned the length that it, it had. Yeah. Um so so this is probably the bottom of the list for me as of right now. Okay. Uh, like I said I don't think that it's a bad movie. Um I just, I just don't, I, I just don't think that this movie is for me. Okay, I can, I can see that. But yeah, so uh, next time we will be watching uh, another movie that I haven't seen before. I'm very excited because we're we're getting through a stretch here of a few that I haven't seen in a row, um, and we will be watching Ocean Waves. And this will be our first. Um, and the first movie that we review that is not directed by either Hayao Miyazaki or Iso Takahata. Um, this one's directed by uh, Tom- Tomami uh, Mochizuki uh, because it was it was a television movie. Yep, uh, I believe uh, of the three major uh, Ghibli that that Suzuki is the only one actually attached to this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's the only yeah he's the only one because yeah uh, Takahata would be deep into production on Pompoko. Um, Miyazaki would be you know in production already starting on uh, starting he, writing uh, Whisper of the Heart. Yep, you know. So yeah, everybody else is busy. So it's it's a Suzuki, you know. This is his his first major test of like how how he can actually run the studio. And I'm very interested to see it because I had, um, I have not seen this movie. I have I've actually I know nothing about this movie. Yeah, at I all. yeah I barely know. Uh, like all I really know is that it was a, it's a television movie. And it's uh, shorter than the rest of these. That's about all I know so far. Um, we will have a couple guests on. Uh, we'll tell you who they are when they 
you know, are on the episode. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that should be exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it for me. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's it for me too. Um, make sure to follow all of our other stuff. Uh, you know, check out, uh, oh, actually Shane, this is the perfect time. Uh, cause you, you mentioned it in last, uh, episode uh mench- uh talk about your other your your new podcast yeah so uh uh my uh good friend carl and i are doing a podcast that we are we have dubbed the anime niacs uh where uh we will be watching some um uh tv show anime so so serialized anim- animes uh and discussing them uh we're starting out uh pretty hard into uh, My Hero Academia. So we're we're real excited about that. Um, I believe at the release of this, the first episode probably came out last week. Um, uh, so go and and listen to that, and then our next episode will come out next week. Uh, yeah, yeah, because because uh, Shane is being smart and is uh, since we do this uh, since we do this series uh, biweekly, um, he is also doing anime niacs um bi-weekly as well on the off weeks um from us so um except for you know once we get to 100 subscribers and we have to do uh akira then he's gonna do just a lot of audio that week it'll be a fun one yeah but it'll be worth it for that one um yeah uh other than that you know uh follow me uh at knocked out films on all social media and all that stuff Uh, And thank you once again for listening. Be good to each other.